0: Welcome to the month of August, and welcome back for another edition of the Gate 15 Risk Roundtable. As always, I'm joined by my great teammates, Dave Pounder and Jen Walker. Dave, you know I'm not 100%, so I'm sorry I can give you an illustrious, robust introduction that you rightfully deserve. I'm sure we'll find ways to make that up as we keep going here. So why don't we just jump right into things here? I know you guys had a, uh, a good set of podcasts last month, and there's some different things going on this month. Anything you want to highlight from the podcasts that were or the podcasts that will be?
1: Oh, I can go first.
2: Oh, yeah, go you ahead. Go first, Jen, go first. Oh, oh, or I could let you guys comment because you know there was that special thing for both of you from last and month. And
0: on behalf of, of the TCE or, or to the TCE and your wonderful guests, including the legendary Jen's mom. Thank you for <laughs> before for that special edition of the TCE. It was greatly appreciated. Ed Heyman was a great guest. And mm-hmm. so was your mom. So thank you for that. We appreciated it. <laughs> thank you thank you jen's mom <laughs> um
2: as for this month uh, actually a uh, couple of things lots of some traveling going on actually for me my first travel since the you know the, the pandemic and all of that um not sure how i'm feeling about it right now but nonetheless it's happening um but uh, due to that um tce may be taking a break If not, I'm going to do something a little bit different. So um, no one said that they all, I never said that I had to have guests on each time. So might have a little solo TCE action this time if if I'm able to pull that off.
1: Nice but later. it'll be
2: short. I'm not going to go on for like 40 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> you can talk about your
1: shirt. You can talk about your shirt, Jen, because uh, it, you know, obviously, if we had a YouTube oh, video thing, we did used to protest against. You would see Jen has a pretty cool shirt on. Jen, tell us what your shirt is.
2: So my shirt is. Uh, you, you guys are always talking about Marvel, and I'm a fan of Marvel. No Don't doubt. Don't Arnold. Arnold.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Arnold and all all of the other okay <laughs> all of the other t-shirts you guys are talking about but I just wanted to sport today for for you guys my ICS Guardians of the Galaxy and this is compliments of uh, this uh, ICS cybersecurity firm, Drago. So uh, this was free shirt. So, you know, we're not looking there. They're good, good guys and girls and they're in it for the greater global good. And they give this part, give t-shirts. Uh, this was a t-shirt I got as part of one of their disc conferences. Actually, I think it was last year. So it was the pandemic version
1: <laughs> in 2020. Jen they're, Jen, so. Jen, Jen, they're not a sponsor. So you don't need to pump them up anymore. You know? <laughs> I know. And they'll probably they not hear this. they wanted to sponsor us, and they'd be more than happy to count to <laughs> their shirts. But I. <laughs> I will say, look, I will say in all seriousness, I mean, my podcast is called Nerd Out, but you
0: truly are nerding out by wearing that shirt. (laughs) I thought so. (laughs) so, I I think the solo pod could be interesting. I almost ended up doing that when I had a guest um, have to make a shift last month. I actually considered interviewing myself and, and thought that'd be kind of interesting <laughs> and insane. So, oh no! That, that, that's another story altogether. But Dave, anything you want to highlight from from what you did or what you got coming up? Uh,
1: I will say that you know Andy has commented that he's under the weather and and it really shows. Again, if we were on YouTube, this <laughs> this would be no, clearly there apparent. It is. But usually Andy is uh, clean shaven uh, at the top of his uh, his mound there, his head, <laughs> um, and he's got a little. Uh, Scruffle on but you can truly see the silver in there. I guess the distinguished look of the gray right. hair permeating through that that scalp. Uh, I I can I can joke about it because my hair is quite gray itself. So you
0: probably know that if you do this on YouTube.
1: Yeah, this is this is so crazy.
0: so I'll, I'll do I'll, I'll start it out with my my, my PS. I'm a walking PSA right now because we say I'm under the weather. What, what i actually have is I'm in my third week of wrestling with shingles and. Uh, I'm not quite 50 yet. I've still got a half dozen eggs or so before I get there. And the shingles vaccine is recommended for those 50 and older if you had chicken pox uh, previously. And um, so it wasn't really on my radar. But I, I finished vacation on a Saturday, came home on a Monday, or came home on a Saturday, and by Monday was was starting this battle. And it is, it is brutal. So uh, for anybody that's listening, I'll tell you, I, I consider myself to be relatively in decent shape, and I eat pretty well, and this thing has completely waylaid me. And uh, it's been pretty rough. So if you have the opportunity to request the vaccine, maybe a little bit early, or if you're above 50 and you want to make that request to your healthcare provider, maybe a worthwhile use of your time um, to avoid a multi-week, I'd say, greatly uncomfortable. And uh, thank God for my wife. Right? I've been truly miserable now a few weeks here. So hopefully we'll be out of it soon. I strongly encourage folks to consider that, even if you're not getting the COVID vaccine, which is a whole other story altogether. But with that, why don't we dive into today's... <laughs> content. There's a lot we want to cover. I think there's some really important things we want to cover. So I want to get right into our main topics. Jen, I think you're starting us off. And I think you've got something really relevant to talk about. You want to get going for us?
2: Uh, sure. So yeah, so for the main the main section here, um, just kind of want to bring the attention if you haven't heard about it. Um, is, uh, more, this is a memorandum issued by the White House, uh, pretty much in light of the incident that occurred in Oldsmar, Florida, as well as Colonial Pipeline, uh, JBS uh, meet meat packing and as well as some others. Uh, but the White House issued a national security memorandum on improving cybersecurity for critical infrastructure control systems. Now, we've seen some other uh, federal activity um, from TSA about the pipeline uh, and, and protecting the pipelines and things of that nature from the colonial pipe incident. Um, but the White House has kind of issued this more broad memorandum um, for critical infrastructure control systems. So it really uh, kind of in a not shell, it encourages the modernization of cybersecurity capabilities for industrial control systems. Um, Again, ICS, Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, But through the implementation of security technologies, uh, the memo states that provide threat visibility, indications, detection, and warnings, and that facilitate response capabilities for cybersecurity in essential control system and operational technology networks. So these are the networks. These are these critical operating networks that support our way of life, such as water and wastewater, electricity, natural gas, transportation, healthcare, research and education, uh, space, and really that's just to name a few, but you've heard all those ISACs on all of our different shows. So it's uh, all of our different podcasts. So it's all those same types of sectors. Um, There will be some initial performance goals communicated by uh, the National Institute for Standards and Technology, as well as CISA by September 22nd. And then we'll expect further goals within about a year. And my, my main comment on this one and tell me how you, what you guys think, but this one really reminds me of the executive efforts that started um, with the NIST cybersecurity framework back in the day. So, you know, similarly to the NIST cybersecurity framework, um, I think we're expecting that the larger utilities of the larger critical infrastructure asset owners um, will jump on board, uh, probably ones that are already following NIST. So this shouldn't be that big of a lift from their or the NIST cybersecurity framework. Um, this shouldn't be that big of a lift for them uh, to you know, follow these guidelines. But the smaller organizations, again, just like the NIST cybersecurity framework, these smaller organizations are probably going to struggle due to their lack of resources and, and uh, you know, in-house or uh, expertise. And we can kind of point to that with uh, the, the smaller organizations and their struggles. We can point to that. We have some references recently, a little, little shout out to Water ISAC and the Water Sector Coordinating Council for a recent report they did um, on um, the water sector and cybersecurity needs in the water sector. Um, there was a recent re- that report, and then there was a recent hearing on July 21st. Um, for the senate committee on environment and public works that also discussed the same thing so all of these good things kind of happening uh, at the same time
0: Jen thank you Dave anything you want to add to what Jen shared well what more can I add (laughs) it's like
1: that's like the reading the fact the white house fact sheet itself you know Jen Jen I didn't though (laughs) No, no, no. I'm I'm saying it's like reading it. So, I mean, (laughs) it it provides all that great stuff. Look, I I think this is a great step in a lot of respects. Uh, You know, the argument can always be made. It should have been made uh, earlier. It should have been done earlier. These things can can always um, be, you know, be done earlier, of course. And and, and so um, it's unfortunate that it took an incident like uh, the Colonial pipeline to to get a lot of these things in motion, but frankly, th- there's been talk about this for years. They just have never really put pen to paper, and and I'm glad to see this is being done. Um, and I'm glad we are able to put some of the uh, politicalization of security to the side, so that we can focus on what's really important in ensuring that that um, the, you know each every citizen is protected. Now, I, I think Jen brought up a lot of really good points about. You know, this helps a lot of the larger scale elements, but there's always those um, second and third order effects down the line. And those people who may get left behind a little bit here and and not because not being um not not because they're they're trying to be left behind, but because they just don't have the resources and facilities and 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 infrastructure to support uh, and get up to speed with a lot of stuff that is being planned and promoted. So we really have to focus on those elements too, and making sure that we can give them the resources and materials and information that they can get up to speed with a lot of these advances that we're making in security and information sharing. So I, I, I mean, I have nothing really more to add other than the, my last two minute diatribe, so.
0: <laughs> I think you know, one, just go back to the, the water items that Jen shared. Uh, the report is really good. Both Jen and uh, water ice Michael Arson have done a, a few podcasts and interviews talking to that report. Might have to get that scheduled for the gate 15 interview um, for the, before I uh, you know, missed that opportunity. And the ransomware um, discussion in, in, in the water sector was an excellent discussion. And we'll, we'll include links to both of those with the show notes. They're worth checking out for sure. Water ISAC had an outstanding representative um, on Capitol Hill speaking to the sector's needs and issues. But um, you know, going back to the memo, a couple of things really struck me that I thought were interesting. One, the memorandum speaks to the term priority critical infrastructure. And I think that is a very interesting use of words. You know, there's there's 16 designated sectors. Um, some have argued there should be a few more. I've argued, for example, the faith-based community should be designated as a critical infrastructure, but, but there are differences in infrastructure. And while everybody wants to be, um, you know, that special golden child, in reality, the term we often use is critical lifelines, right? There are certain parts of the infrastructure that are absolutely necessary for life, water, energy um, being two of those. And so, you know, when the, when the, when the memorandum calls out electricity, it talks about natural gas pipelines, talks about water and wastewater and chemical, which of course impacts water. Um, I think it's it's an important uh, separation that we're making there because while, you know, stadiums and arenas and universities are absolutely a critical part of our economic well-being and organizations like faith-based communities are part of our American fabric, they are all critical infrastructure. Um, We absolutely do need to make sure we protect and, and secure those things we're counting on for human life. I thought that was an interesting distinction I've really seen before. Let's see where that goes. And I think, like you both have said, we've been talking about this for a long time. And to the administration's credit here, regardless of what anybody's political beliefs are, um, the administration is really laying out baseline standards for what organizations should be doing. You guys have both spoken really well over the last year about the cost of doing business. And so back in June, the White House said, hey, you want to protect yourself against ransomware? Do these things. You want to... uh, you know, meet some standards for basic cyber security information sharing on your incidents. You're going to have to do these things, and so I think a sense re- really uh, attainable benchmarks. I think is the goal for they say, hey, are we able to do these things? Yes or no? And if we can, great. And if we're not, then we should be working towards that. So I'm excited to see where it goes. You know, the NIST framework being a great example. There's lots of frameworks out there, lots of references, but I think this is overdue. It's encouraging, and hopefully it won't become burdensome. Or uh, you know, heavy-handed regulation, which can become more of a, a challenge, especially for those sectors that aren't presently regulated, but something that organizations really identify and strive towards. I'm sure there'll be many in industry will try and help them along, um, both for nonprofits and profit organizations. So excited to see where that goes. Jen, any other thoughts on this before we move on to Dave's main focus for today?
2: I do. You brought up an interesting point uh, that I didn't call out about the um, you know, the different uh the vital or critical lifelines. And I guess to, you know, as in that, I guess, graduation of, you know, uh, who's critical, who's more critical, who's less critical, um, think of it. um, So financial institutions have this thing that's systemically important financial institutions. And if you think of these systemically important ones that have been designated, uh, you've got the really big Banks, uh, the really big financial institutions like a you know BNY Mellon, if you will, uh, Citibank, things like that, um, that are either have a global presence or just so critical and systemically important to the fabric of the United States and the economy that they are designated a little a little bit more important. So you can kind of maybe liken that to maybe a large metropolitan water authority or, um, you know, some of the major electric providers um, in that respect. I
0: don't know. Does that make sense? It, it does make sense. To paraphrase one of my two favorite books, you know, all animals are equal, but some are more equal than others. All critical infrastructure is critical, but some is more critical mm-hmm. than others. I think uh, That's just reality. I mean, I think you know, got to be honest on that. And there's there's some things that are absolutely necessary for the, the economic and, and health well-being of our country and our citizens, and we have to protect that as best we can. So I think that's a great distinction to make. So thank you very much, Jen. Dave, you've always got something to add, but anything you want to add on this before we move on to your main focus for today?
1: I think I, I prefer the word accentuate. Um, I, I will. Uh, I do want to comment that uh, you know I think you brought up a good point near the end of your, your points about um, the regulation and, and the one thing that I hope we don't get into is just the burdensome, the burden, burdensome, the <laughs> amount of paperwork that is needed to to uh, to go through on some of these things, and, and to do the if anything's managed by the federal government, hopefully there's not a series of of checklists and procedures that take away or distract from the actual art of, the, of defending against attacks and and more about uh, administering uh, paperwork. So that's all I'll add.
0: David, I want to give you credit. I know it's difficult. You're coming from Florida and three-syllable words can be a little bit, you know, pushing the envelope. I applaud Good you stuff. for trying. Great job. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I <laughs> and, liked his little
2: art of defense, though. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, it is important. Right? I mean, regulatory burdens um, are serious. They do drive costs. And, you know, we can talk about know, the politics of regulation another day, <laughs> but, uh, but it is something to consider. And I, I think the administration at this point seems to be trying to avoid that. And really aspire towards goals and best practices which is encouraging to see so all right so with that again we'll share those links in the show notes check those out for both memorandums and the uh, aforementioned water ice Act report and hearing but with that dave why don't we come over to you and you've got an important topic you want to discuss so let's get into it
1: uh, okay so this is like it's an important topic because it's now inherently personal topic um, <laughs> and so um, you know i'm trying to, i'm struggling to figure out if it's 2021 or if it were if we jump back to 2020 because the the covid resurgence the delta variant the, all the news and information that's being put out about it uh, whether it's the rent moratorium uh, expiration um, or just the surge in, in cases uh, it does feel very much like we went back a, a year Um Personally, I I was um, I was you know I'm vaccinated. My family is vaccinated. We were uh, sharing a weekend uh, outside uh, with friends, and and only to find out that uh, one of the individuals there had been exposed the day prior. Um, yada yada yada. I'm gonna have to get tested. So the the, the and and unfortunately, this is what is occurring and again no fault to anyone's own everybody at this event was vaccinated we know we've seen some of the cases in which even those who have been vaccinated can still test positive for covid um and it's unfortunate because we we you know There's a a couple different angles here and I'm not sure really where to go with it. One is we just continue to need to do our due diligence and at at the personal level all the way up to the organizational level. But the challenge is, is that because of all the back and forth, because of, you know, pronouncements that if you're vaccinated, you don't ever have to wear a mask again, and, and things along those lines, we're now getting to the stage where we need to go back to some sort of enforcement of health policies in, in certain areas. Obviously, the CDC put out their guidance a couple of weeks back about even if you're indoors and vaccinated, you should be wearing masks. And I think this, this really causes um, issues for organizations. Where, where are they going? What are they doing? Um, what policies are they going to enforce? Which ones are they not? Which ones are, are going to see you know retaliation? remember last year, we, I mean, obviously we're seeing protests and demonstrations this year, but last year we were seeing violence directed at uh, workers and employees who were trying to enforce policies. And now we've gone, you know, individuals who feel they're vaccinated and are, do, do have that sense of, I, I've done the right thing. I wore my mask. I got the vaccine. I did the right thing. Now I don't want to wear my mask anymore. And, and unfortunately that's not the case. And, and so I think We've put these organizations in really tough situations where they now need to go, lean back in to a problem they thought they were resolving. We we're reopening across the country, and now organizations are now issuing back out guidance to workers that hey, where things have changed. And so I think this could some challenges again I mentioned the protests and demonstrations in Europe that we're seeing, and, and I'm fearful that we're going to see more of that um, in the United States as well. And something that 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 could occur. So that that's kind of where I'm at with the COVID part as we see
0: it. Yeah, it's some really good points. I've got some comments there. But Jen, anything you'd like to add to that from from your vantage point there in Western PA?
2: Um. So, <laughs> yes, but probably should just keep my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, we don't seem to be. Uh, ha- you know, we don't have much. Uh, Additional spread here right now yet. Um, I'm admittedly nervous about traveling. Made the travel plans before Delta really kind of started spreading. Um, but I am a, I am in, you know, I guess little transparency. I am I'm not sure how I feel about the vaccine, but nonetheless, I am. I have finally proceeded uh, to get it. It can't hurt. Um, so I'm not an anti-vax or a conspiracy theorist. Just mm, effectiveness. Um, anyway. Um, but I will still mask. So I will be, one, when I'm hundred percent vaxxed, I will be hundred percent masked. I am still wearing my mask. It does frustrate me that I, I know there are people out there that aren't ma- aren't vaxxed and aren't masking. And that's what really, that's my, that's one of my big irritations. Um, yeah. I also think that if you're masked, you should still be vaxxed or if you're vaxxed, you should still be masked as well, um, ag- along with the guidelines. I felt that the, the entire time, it's just one added layer of protection, but um, there are layers of protection in our in, in what we do, cyber and physical. Um, anyway, that's just my little soapbox, and thanks for giving me a second to air it. Otherwise, I probably don't have anything
0: useful to add. Jen, we can we can hear the, the tension, the conflict <laughs> within you as you talk about it, right? But I mean, Jen, Jen makes a legitimate point there, right? The idea of layered defense, is nothing new to security world and you know it's a similar approach and now we maybe look at covid but I, you know to go back to today's comments it is I think it really is a challenge as we were you know looking at the 4th of july and, and the administration's push for vaccines and I think a lot of people really wanted to come out of this pandemic and here we are we knew the variants were coming and uh, I don't think anybody expected it to have this kind of effect on where we are now and, and it does cause a number of challenges to see, you know, back and forth in policy. So I think we're seeing some things that are very interesting, right? You're seeing a lot of really big corporations say, hey, we're not going to have this. We're we're resuming operations and either you're with us or you're against us, right? You're vaccinated or you're not going to work here anymore. Organizations like Disney, some major healthcare facilities, Microsoft came out just today uh, saying the same thing. Their staff will be 100% vaccinated. They can find employment elsewhere. So I think industry is really doing what the federal government's been reluctant to do. And I'm not criticizing that decision at all in mandating personnel get vaccinated. And while you know you can agree or disagree with that approach, I think one of the challenges they're trying to really overcome is today's point. You know, we've seen incidents of escalation, confrontation of violence, putting first line frontline workers in harm's way throughout this, this pandemic, whether it's a retail worker or a faith-based organization greeter, wherever they may be. And as policies change, people will be increasingly confused and frustrated and use that to say, well, I didn't bring my mask. I can't mask up. We did this last week, and it will lead to increased conflict and potential escalation and violence. So it does put those frontline workers in a difficult situation have to go back and forth. And so I think you know, we'd all really like to be on the other end of the pandemic. Unfortunately, it looks like that won't be the case. Dave's absolutely right. It does look very 2020-ish, which is heartbreaking. My kids were very disappointed here in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Uh, you know, In my county, my, my youngest son is looking to have to wear a mask in the fall. My oldest son, despite having to submit uh, proof of vaccination online for his university, was probably looking at having to wear a ma- uh, mask in the fall. And to them, that was uh, really frustrating. It was really just wanted to get back to some level of normalcy in football games. And I think, for you know, both a personal standpoint and a professional standpoint, uh, this is a difficult time. So I think it's, it's a really good point, Dave. And you know, outside of mandates, um, it is difficult to get those that don't want to get vaccinated, vaccinated. And as long as people aren't vaccinated, we, we have the potential to see continued outbreaks. And right now, Florida, Louisiana, seeing their greatest um, you know, challenges throughout this pandemic right now, um, and that's that's pretty common throughout uh, several of the southern states. I, I don't think this is going to go quite as fast as we had hoped, and and it's tough. I think it's really a tough situation. Any other thoughts, Dave, from a security standpoint, or from your own well,
1: that that's where I was going to. That's what I was going to hit on. I, I think businesses have to. They they cannot go back to uh, closing down for a period of time. I, I think businesses have their... That they they have to put in the policies and procedures that are going to keep their places of business open uh, and generating money. I, I think that there's just no conceivable way for them to go forward that way uh, with by closing down again. So with that, I mean, it's really important that we're, we're training employees on how to de-escalate situations, recognizing behaviors in which, uh, you know, customers or uh, co-workers may be getting um, increased tensions or or d- exhibiting warning signs that may be uh, of concerning behaviors and finding ways to de-escalate or defuse the situation to get it appropriately, appropriately handled so we avoid those violence. I mean, <clears throat> it wasn't just angry shouting matches. We had individual security guards killed last year enforcing uh, <clears throat> health policies. So, those are areas we really need to look at as as organizations to be uh, really focused on de escalation and and very frankly <clears throat> making sure we're communicating our policies very clearly. There is no ambiguity. If you're going to walk through these doors, these are the this is the expectation, and it needs to be you know maybe that needs to be an extended perimeter where that is communicated as far out as the parking lot or wherever. But those are the things that can help. Uh, remove anybody's confusion about what the, the wear of a mask or whether or not we need to be vaccinated as employees, which which are within their rights. If you're going to be an employee of this organization, we're going to require you to be vaccinated. We've seen that now. Similarly, I think what I saw today a couple of big corporations have also said, you know, maybe we're not going to require it just yet, but kind of dot dot dot. It's probably coming. So, um, but that's all I'll say. It's really important for organizations as we struggle through this this year again and in the fall has the chance of being maybe worse even still with with the cooler temperatures um but um you know just something to think about moving forward
0: yeah absolutely i, I think you got it right i don't think we're gonna see mass shutdowns the way we did in you know last year and i think we're past that point but i think we we, we will see Um, different policies in place and and you got to write on the importance of clearly communicating that from certainly for our employees and staff and those frontline workers and also the patrons and visitors as it may be in and about our facilities and again go back to the idea of layered security we've talked about having that inner security and you've got those cascading circles pushing that perimeter outwards to communicate identify threats intervene before they can get inside to you know our most uh, treasured assets and people And, uh, you know, this might be a similar approach here as organizations look to push that signage out, push those policies out, have people communicating, you know, you have to wear a mask to go in the store, whatever it might be. Just try and push that message out so we can try and manage uh, personnel, hopefully manage expectations and not have those conflicts. But people absolutely, like you said, they need to know, you know, what do you want me to do, boss? If somebody doesn't comply, what do I do? Who do I go to? What's expected of me So can try and protect them, keep them safe, as able to put themselves on the front line, which is the grocery store, the retail store. The football game or the, or the you know, church, synagogue, or mosque. So, um, a really good point. And while it's both frustrating that we're having this discussion right now, it's really important we can have this discussion until we can truly say that the pandemic is a you know, thing of the past. And uh, hopefully, that'll be something that we can say at some point this year. So, thank you both very much. Anything else you want to add on the COVID top before we move into our next exciting round of discussion?
2: Just one thing to uh, include uh, Bridget's recent post oh, yeah. um, in HS Today in the
0: show notes. Uh, Absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, our our friend and and expert analyst Bridget Johnson wrote a really heartfelt piece on uh, the the pandemic and its impact to her, her family. And I'll absolutely include that. It's it's well worth your couple of minutes to read that and just consider that as you uh, go about your business and make your own personal decisions. So we'll include that link as well. Thank you for that, Jen. Appreciate that. So with that, Dave, cue up your favorite song.
1: Let's play a game okay let's start are you
0: ready yes i'm ready i am ready i tell you with, with these wonderful shingles like there's a little mario or street fighter power meter over my head right now you see this thing rapidly deplete as the afternoon goes on so let's get into our next round as my my power meter starts to tucker out here dave roulette round what do you want to start us off with so to, I, I just really want to call attention to one that this
1: has been a really bad weather se- period of time uh, to weather and we're not even really getting into the peak of some of the seasons yet I mean we we're still, we haven't truly been impacted by um, the uh, hurricane season thankfully at this point, uh, we're still pretty low numbers but we're we're still a month away from the peak or four or five or six weeks away from the peak of mid-September. So we still got a long season to go there. Aside from that, severe storms, the heat waves that are occurring, these heat domes uh, around the world, the wildfires around the world have been crazy. Um, And it's just really speaking to the drought conditions that have occurred over the last five to 10 years in in parts of the U.S. West, but also in Europe and in Australia as well, they, they're really battling these conditions and it just goes to just show you the effects that natural disasters and weather can have on organizations. And so when you're thinking about preparedness, really we're focusing on all hazards preparedness and that includes incorporating those uh, into events. I mean, I, the, the flooding over in Europe, the flooding in Asia, Uh, In fact, you know, there's contributing to mudslides um, in some places. And so you really just have to be prepared for not just the effects on your specific organization, but the supply chain and what's the long-term effects there. So that's one of them. And the second one I I would just call out is as we, uh, you know, it's hard to believe we're into August already. and, And in Florida, we're starting schools in the next two weeks. And I usually associate with start a school with with fall and and still gonna be blazing hot. But um, we we do have, as we start getting into September, we start seeing the High Holy Days um, on uh, several faith-based communities. And so those are also opportune targets for threat actors who may uh, wanna carry out attacks on on these uh, religious uh, events. Um, So just two big areas, weather, uh, and as we start to get into the religious celebrations of the fall and winter, Uh, just to be on guard as we start. I mean, the planning and preparedness starts today, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. We can't wait till we get there. And you talk about uh, the natural hazards and climate. I think that's one of the, we talk about resilience. I think it's one of the greatest discussions to have is around, you know, issues like, like we're seeing with the wildfires, you know, drought and some of those challenges aren't going to be going away anytime soon in certain regions. Unbelievable wildfire effects right now, hurricane season, sea level rise. These are real issues. I mean, we've got a great teammate, Chuck Edley on our team, who's put a lot of thought into resilience and uh, you know, design and, and ways to mitigate some of these risks. And it's a really important topic because it's just realities around us. These things are always changing, right? Whether you, however you look at climate and climate change is really regardless, there's always changes in our environment. And so we have to prepare for these things and bake that into our design and our operations. So it's a, it's a good seasonal reminder, but more than that's really just something we've always got to you know, bake into the DNA of our organizations, understanding those those risks and how we really build resilience in so we can manage those different incidents to come up and, and continue going, Without too much harm to operations, facilities, and people, certainly. So, really good points. And certainly, on the holidays, it's a uh, yeah scary to think about going back to school uh, fall. But the good news is, of course, that the NFL season will also get underway with an added week of, of regular season play. So, the my Lions can take one more L, uh, you know, before the season wraps up. So really excited about that. But Dave, with that, thank you very much, Jen. Let's move over to you. Quick hits. Anything you want to throw up there on our radars? Uh,
2: quick hits. I have a little bit of acronym soup. This time, I just want to bring attention uh, to uh, a couple uh, reports, I guess, lists, if you will. The first one was a joint cybersecurity advisory on the top routinely exploited vulnerabilities, also called CVEs, thirty CVEs. It actually highlighted uh, top thirty vulnerabilities widely exploited during the previous twelve to eighteen months. Uh, most of these vulnerabilities are assigned that CVE for my acronym soup, uh, which stands for common vulnerabilities and exposures. They get a number. Um, this year, we've seen um, most of the exploitation uh, revolved around uh, kind of the five core products. We've had some big compromises in activity that was pretty atypical. Uh, we got hit hard with Microsoft Exchange, and then there was activity with uh, a VPN called Pulsacat pulse connect secure vmware's had some issues there was a huge excelion breach and uh, fortinet um, uh, products as well um so the activity during this year has kind of hit a lot of the those recent vulnerabilities which is important in a moment Um, but the activity that we saw kind of last year in 2020 encompassed more of the things we usually see like um older vulnerabilities so the ones last year uh, actors were um Compromising things from 2019 and 2000 through 2017, 17 through 19. So the report's interesting, I think. At least I'm geek, um, but I think the report's interesting because you know while it it pointed to you know actors are very adept at you know quickly capitalizing on the newly disclosed vulnerabilities like like this year with the Microsoft Exchange and VMware and whatnot. Um, they frequently and persistently favor the old ones. So again, from 2019 and 2017, uh, or through that time from last year. Um, But the reason for their exploitation for new ones and old ones are really the same. Uh, They capitalize before the patches are applied. Uh, In the case where the actors are exploiting the new vulnerabilities, it's usually before the vendors uh, create a patch and then they can try to inflict maximum damage. But then, and they also continue exploiting the old ones as well as the new ones for the organizations that haven't patched or in quite honestly may never patch. I mean, if they're exploiting vulnerabilities from 2017 that have patches, why is that? Because they're still, uh, they, they still reap a reward uh, for that. So um, the second one, the second acronym soup is the 25 CWEs or the Common Weakness Enumerations. And these are really the top 25 most dangerous software weaknesses. And this list was released last week and it really represents not lay. It's different from the CVEs and the vulner, technical vulnerabilities, and this is more uh, coding practices or configuration practices. Um, but these are common weaknesses uh, that are uh, easy to find um, by threat actors or researchers. Uh, the good, the good threat act. The the good hackers, the white hat hackers, as well as the black hats and the gray hats. Um, but these are the Exploitable weaknesses that enable threat actors to compromise a system, steal data, or prevent an application from working. Um, it is updated and numerated every year. Uh, they always show, you know, the pluses and the minuses, the winners and the losers, who gained, who lost. Uh, this one's still at the top spot. This one was, you know, gained one position, and they and they reference that from year to year, so you have a good idea of the ones that have been on the list for years in the top five or the top ten or even the top. Five. Three, um, but I think the list is really good for developers, programmers, testers, security researchers, and educators, as well as users, to gain that appreciation and the understanding for some of those substandard coding practices that really plague our systems and our applications. So, that's it for me. Geeking out on some acronyms.
0: You are you are. There's really good points, so Jen. I think you bring up a really important point. You know, we hear about these, you know, new you know, zero-day vulnerabilities or other sort of emerging concerns and. Of course, they are very important, but if I'm the adversary, right, am I going to spend a lot of time and effort trying to race against the defenders to to try and take advantage of that limited opportunity that I know you're working hard to close and address? Or can I sit back and run a couple of searches, identify who's running some outdated operating system, and take my time because you haven't updated in the last five years? You're not going to update it probably the next five months either, and I can conduct my attacks that way just as easily with less pressure and perhaps nobody's looking anyway. So, you know, what's the... uh, Lowest, lowest hanging fruit for me as an adversary. How can I be as lazy as possible and still get what I need? You know, I'm going to make it easy on myself. So it's a great point. Really appreciate you bringing those up. Great references. we will include links to those as well. So great quick hits, guys. Good topics, important topics. I usually don't add one, but today I will. There's a shooting earlier today at the uh, near the, the Pentagon building in, in uh, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. at the Metro platform, which I've uh, picked up many a bus from my time working down there. Um, A few years ago now, probably about 13 years ago, 14 years ago now. And, um, you know, while we don't know all the details of that yet, I think I I still got to dig into that on my end. Uh, A great reminder of the continued and always persistent, you know, threat of hostile events, active shooters, other low tech acts of terror into that. From the great mind and pen of David Pounder, this uh, coming month, actually this month, we're here in August now, we'll be finally releasing our update to the hostile event attack cycle. Dave's been working diligently at that for the last year. He's made some really smart updates, some really good uh, points of clarification, aligned it with a pathway to violence, which also relates to the things we spoke about earlier in today's discussion. And it's gonna be made available at no cost to anybody that wants it. You'll be able to uh, see that from our website. We'll have a press release coming out in the next week or two. Strongly encourage folks to get a copy of that uh, read it, review it, understand it, build it into your security plan procedures, think about how you train your employees. Um, Dave did an outstanding job putting that together. I'm uh, really proud of it, really excited about it. I really hope people take advantage of it because it's a really oh. important product. And today's incident really just shows that um, you know, no matter how hard your facility is, there's always soft points, right? And then uh, just like I thought I was really strong and, and the shambles really pulled me, right? <laughs> so we've we've always got vulnerabilities we need to protect against, we need to be ready to respond and the, the hostile defense attack cycle, uh, white paper really talks that very well. Dave, great credits to you. Great job. And really excited to get that out into people's hands. So thank you for your hard work there.
1: Yeah, team effort, because I, I know you pass it off uh, on me, but you had as much to do with it as as anyone else. So I appreciate all that.
0: Yeah, of course. Thank you. Thank you guys very much. So with that, I think we'll go to our closing sections here. And I think we're going to hit our three questions. Simple question today. I'm going to Hope we don't get Dave too excited as we tackle the first one. I know he tends to get a little bit riled up on these topics, but Jen, Dave, you guys ready? Three questions? Ready. Yes. All right. All right. Don't sound too enthusiastic. All right. Who's, who's going <laughs> first? Dave, you going first for us?
1: I'll, I'll go first.
0: All right. Favorite movie?
1: Oh, this is good. Um, Empire Strikes Back is my all-time favorite, but uh, Inception is a close second.
0: I've heard you talk on Inception quite a few times. You can't go wrong with Empire. Great reference. Good job, Jen?
2: well it used to be a few good men but now it is the martian
0: oh that's a good one it's a good one also previously referenced we had quite a discussion on the martian (laughs) and the martian right So (laughs) i've not seen that movie yet but i've I've got to check it out you've encouraged me to have to check it out so i might have to do that even though i'm not a huge fan of um the the primary actor there but that's a separate don't just
2: don't be distracted when you're watching and if i could encourage you to do that does this is one where you just you just want to pay attention even if it's listening but just you kind of want it's 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 good stuff it's good
1: it's, stuff. It's, it's it's highly stuff. rewatchable too
2: oh my gosh once you've watched it it's you know once it's nice to watch it every once in a while but we listen to it constantly like if we're it becomes our like hey we're doing home projects and you know and my husband and i will just put it on it oh it's a martian day well we just you don't even have to watch it once you've watched it once but um occasionally it's like oh i forgot about that part but love listening to quite the
0: strong endorsement there so (laughs) all right so noted noted got it all right so from favorites to least liked dave worst vegetable
1: Oh, I would normally go Brussels sprouts, but man, if you add in some butter, bacon, garlic. and some other cheese, pepper, and stuff, yeah, are you kidding me? You, it, it, they can be amazing, delicious. Um, I, I'm going to go with butternut squash.
2: <gasps>
1: butternut squash soup.
0: I mean, are it, you it,
2: insane? I'll any, send you some of my soup.
0: Anything butternut squash is just out. Well, my, my wife, my wife would be fighting you right now for a hot bowl of <laughs> oh, some I'm so butternut sending squash you some soup, one of her couch. favorites. All right. Well, you've you clearly offended us. I think you knocked Jen out of her chair. Jen. I did. Jen.
2: <laughs> knocked my earbud out. Worst my little vegetable. ears. Worst vegetable is, um I had it on the tip of my tongue, uh, beets.
0: Oh, yeah. Gross. You
1: mean
2: beets. dirt,
0: right? Dirt. dirt.
2: Exactly. Thank you. If, if Thank you, properly you.
0: prepare beets, you can put them into a shrimp salad and they are something outstanding. I tell you guys what, you've got to You've got some more to do there on your vegetable appreciation. We'll continue to <laughs> work on that with both of you guys. Let's go back into favorites. Wait, wait, Everyone wait. wait what's favorites? yours? What was yours? There's not a vegetable that I don't love. Oh, okay.
2: All right. I like my husband.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, they're 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 all brilliant and delicious. All right. So everybody's got a favorite one of these because I think everybody has to. Dave, favorite Beatles song. Uh,
1: okay. You're wrong. I I I I don't like the Beatles. <laughs>
0: Do you, do you also hate apple pie and, and the uh, American flag. I mean, even though they're not American. I feel like. <laughs> I mean,
1: I, I'm not a Beatles fan. I've never been a Beatles fan.
0: Nothing. I mean, that doesn't mean I, Help. Look, I, I like the, I mean I don't like.
1: I like. I mean, I can I can recognize and appreciate their music. I I just I don't own a Beatles album, and I will. They're not on my iPod anywhere near. I, I'm just not a fan.
0: Uh, I, th- I thought that was a safe bet. You know, it's like you, you can only pick so many genres or. So many bands, I thought the Beatles was one that pretty much everybody could say, oh, yeah, there's that one song I like. So you hate both vegetables and the Beatles. Let's we'll talk about this more <laughs> offline. Jen, do you have a favorite Beatles song? Or are you also against one of the greatest and most well-known rock and roll bands of all time?
2: We all live in a yellow submarine. Fine choice. Yellow Fine submarine.
0: Choice. That's a very good did
1: you guys Did you guys ever seen uh, Dewey Cox, the, 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 the ballad of Dewey Cox? No. It's a spoof on um what was that Johnny Cash movie um that uh, what's his face was in uh, Phoenix or uh, in a fire
2: yeah Rain yeah fire. yeah
1: yeah yeah, it. yeah um it's a spoof on that and they did a, a quite a good spoof on the Beatles when they went to India in there so it just sorry Yellow Submarine is just kind of
2: triggered
0: for me sorry in brussels there's so many great beatles i've always been a fan of uh, oh bloody i think it's just a fun song kind of a crazy song but a fun one to listen to you just along with and you realize what you're singing along with in the words you're like oh wait i didn't even know they said that so interesting interesting (laughs) stuff great songs interesting characters and even if you don't like them i think we can appreciate the you know their great contributions to what's become i consider everything rock and roll right whether it's heavy metal or or, or, or rap today. I think it all has a hardened and rock and roll. And I think the Beatles contributed to that greatly in what they did. So Dave, I'll try and find something you can you can cheer on with, with more fervor next time. Sorry, I went, I went off track this time. All right, <laughs> but with that, uh, we're doing great, guys. Really great topics, really important topics, to be honest. I'll we'll include a number of these links in the show notes. Looking forward to continuing some of these discussions in the months ahead. Not on COVID so much, but I'm sure we're going to come back to it because it's here for a little while longer, unfortunately. But um, Jen, I hope your travels go well. But anything, you guys want to send us out with as we close out today, Dave, we'll come back to you one more time to start us off.
1: Um, no, I, I, I'm, you know, I, I don't. I, I'm in a weird spot right now, to be honest. As COVID stuff has really derailed me, um, and, and so I, I feel like I've gotten through a lot of the areas that. Um, I'm just in a weird spot with TVs, movies, books. I'm, I'm just weird spot. So it's a weird day today.
0: Hey, what if it's coming out next week? Something to look forward to for your Marvel Disney fandom.
1: Yeah, I really enjoyed Loki. I don't think you and I caught up on Loki, but I mean, it, it was, I had, I had no spoilers. It exceeded expectations on my front.
0: It, 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 no sports. And I won't say anything. Just on a chance that I say something I shouldn't say, but I enjoyed it as well. And I like where things are going. So I'll yep. leave it there. So Jen, anything you want to send us out with?
2: So a uh, couple, well, last weekend, not this past weekend, but the weekend before I was, I, I was a bit under the weather myself, just more drained and, and, and down and, uh, rundown, Um and my husband made me made me chill for the weekend. Made me, you know, just rest and relax for a change. I had some stuff to do, but he's like, "You're you're just not doing it." So he turned me on to a show he and his son have been watching. And I'm not a binger. I'm not a binge watcher, like almost ever, very rarely, maybe once every five years. I'll binge something. Well, this was one. <laughs> so he's like, "You're really gonna like it," and you know, you can get ca- caught up with us or whatever. So as I was relaxing in in the sleep number bad <laughs> um I, I put on the show and he was right i mean I, he goes it starts off slow which i disre- dis uh, disagreed with him on but it was really it's been really well done it's only two seasons i guess you are going to drop a third but i really enjoyed binge watching um for all mankind so it's a sci-fi um i won't do any spoilers but it's kind of like uh it is about you know space but uh, you know, going to outer space and or going to you know the moon, and you know what if it was just a little bit different? And it was pretty. It's it's pretty interesting. They they I don't know. I like it. But that was mine.
0: Well, Jen, I'm gonna tell you. Tell, tell Mr. Jennifer Lynn Walker. Thank you for sunny that weekend because you came out of it uh, happy and energetic and positive. And <laughs> if, if, if it's just one weekend every five years to get that, then that's an investment <laughs> worth making. So. So thank you to your husband for grounding you and making you relax. That was a good move. Since you guys are talking TV, I'll share as well. My wife and I were looking for a show to watch and I had never seen Game of Thrones. So I started watching uh. that and um, I tell you, I'm enjoying it. But the one thing that goes through my, my mind every single episode is why am I seeing so many twigs and berries? in this show. The nudity is completely <laughs> unnecessary to the storyline, like anything that's happening there can easily be implied and understood. And it is like, it is it, not just, it is not just abundant. It is excessive, right? And I'm no, I'm no uh, prude. I mean, I don't mind those things in the show, but like, you know, the amount but, of buttocks that I've been but, exposed to, you know, is, is like, I just don't understand why it's like elves, swords, fire, Oh, you know it's like i don't what, i don't know what, why. what season
1: are you in what
0: season are you we, in? we are we are just cracking uh season five right now
1: okay so you shouldn't be seeing much more i would i would imagine i i i, I, I couldn't believe... see much more, there couldn't be <laughs> more. <laughs> I, I believe these are ploys by them to, to get people hooked initially and then they slowly take it away i think you know ha, have you gotten to the infamous red wedding yet Episode.
0: I don't. Oh, I think so. If, if I if I understand what you're referencing, yes, I think I think we have a, a bloody scene you're talking about here. Uh, an
1: extremely bloody, yeah, like, yeah, yeah,
0: and I I'll watch that all day over like you know unnecessary <laughs> was, boobs and, and wieners all day long. That, you know, that was
1: that, is. that was the one episode that like just floored me. Like I was like, yeah. what that. Like the first season where they killed, look, this is spoiler free. That show's been over for four years or something, but um, have you seen it, Jen?
2: No, don't care.
1: (laughs) Okay. Well, well, when, when Ned Stark died at the end of season one, I was like, what the heck is going on here? And then the red wedding, when that happened, I was just, that was it for me. Now there's some good stuff ahead. Don't let the haters hate for you. Just enjoy the rest of the show.
0: Yeah, no, we are. We are enjoying it. So I sit down with my wife at the end of the day and and uh, watch an episode and uh, we're enjoying that. So some, some show recommendations from all of us, be it I'm a few years behind the curve on mine, but thank you guys very much. Some good discussions, some good thoughts, some good links that we'll be sure to share in the notes. Uh, Please, as always, uh, if you like the show, let us know. If you've got any feedback, let us know. Please subscribe to the 15 podcast channel, wherever you listen to your podcast, be it on Spotify, Apple, Google, wherever it is you look for these podcasts. We always welcome your feedback. We also uh, welcome your comments and, Uh, We hope that you're enjoying this podcast, along with Jen's the cybersecurity evangelist, with special guests, including Jen's mom from time to time, Dave Founder's (laughs) Nerd Out panel discussion, which is sometimes a panel of four, sometimes a panel of one, whatever mood Dave's in, and the Gay 15 interview with me and some really smart folks that are worth listening to. I'm excited this month to bring back one of Dave's guest panelists, Ms. Amanda Mason with Related. Um, She's a really outstanding person. She was a great guest with Dave, so I thought, hey, she deserves a block of time to really get into some of her perspective on things. She's a great partner, a great member of our critical infrastructure community. and looking forward to that discussion here later this month. So Dave, Jen, good luck with COVID. Safe travels to all of you listening. I hope you stay healthy. I hope you stay safe, mm-hmm. whether you decide to uh, get vaccinated or not, wear a mask, wear three masks, wear seven masks, whatever it is you doing you do <laughs> in your neck Yay. of the wood. Stay safe, stay healthy. I look forward to talking to you soon. And uh, thanks for listening.